This week on the podcast, we have Mark Burns from the University of Missouri. He's the head cross country and he's a distance coach there for the Tigers. We get into talking about what life is like in Columbia, Missouri for his family and his track team right now. Uh, We eventually get into his career that actually did not start in coaching, which was a pretty interesting story, but eventually he ended up at Loyola and then came to Wichita State for a few years, went to Bradley, and then is now at Mizzou, where he's had a lot of terrific accomplishments, and most notably, he coached Carissa Schweitzer, and we, we talk about that for a little bit. And uh, but Mark's always a fun guy to talk to. He's very energetic and charismatic, and uh, we really enjoyed having him on our staff here at Wichita State. So this is Mark Burns from the University of Missouri. How are things in Columbia or Columbia, uh, or whereabouts Columbia? Because I know you're living just outside of Columbia. Yeah, we live uh, just south of columbia in a little town called ashland missouri it's the first town south south of columbia um where we've been quarantined so you know it's been it's been a you know pretty interesting um six or seven weeks or so you know like it has for everybody um you know we got four boys so um trying to manage all their schoolwork and um all that kind of stuff kind of looking forward to next week i think this is their last week of school so kind of looking forward to being done with (laughs) staying on top of the boys to get their work done and the, well, you were saying before when we were trying to connect you were saying you had to get chris's fishing pole ready so i guess he's <laughs> he's also doing some activities besides besides school yeah yeah we, we live on 10 acres so we got a pond in the backyard and um the boys are fishing right now so um chris is only six so he caught his first bass yesterday so he's all excited he got the bug coach wilson would be proud he he, he caught the bug and uh, yeah, so he's looking. He's trying to catch another bass out there now. He's caught a lot of bluegill before, but he finally he finally put a plastic worm on, and he was pretty excited because he was fishing like the big boys, you know. So somebody took the bobber off of it the other day, so he was all upset about that. So I had to go put the bobber back on there and get it out there. I don't know how he's catching the fish, but somehow he is. So maybe he's a natural. I don't know. Yeah, but so what other activities are going on out there on the Burns Ranch? You got I know cornhole is an activity that you're pretty good last time i was there actually your son schooled me in the art of ping pong so (laughs) i'm sure there's a lot of games going on over there yeah it's a competitive household you know i i will uh i will take you take you to the to the well and just about anything sports related and my boys are just like me and then of course my wife elena is probably the most competitive person in the house so uh we get a lot of throwdowns and uh, ping pong is one of them for sure Connor and I have had some great battles. He's really gotten better over the quarantine time, so his ping pong game has stepped up a, a lot, that's for sure. So we've been playing a lot of ping pong, really trying to find anything we can to keep the boys off devices. Because anytime there's like a, a downtime, they're like, hey, can I get on Xbox? Can I can I play Fortnite? I'm like, no, we got to go outside and play something. Let's do something. So cornhole has actually, uh, you know, been something that the boys have, have really taken to, and and um, we we have a lot of fun with that. We've actually done quite a few virtual tournaments with them. Um, I've played a few, and then the boys have played a few. So yeah, it's been fun, and and we kind of, you know, Elaine and I kind of miss our fix of watching the boys compete and stuff without mm-hmm. their baseball and basketball and stuff. So um, putting them in those little cornhole tournaments has been kind of fun <laughs> for us. <laughs> so fun. Better than nothing. I think yeah. everybody's kind of. Feeling. It seems like here, at least, everybody's itching to get going. And obviously, in track and field, uh, you know, talking to different coaches, everybody's just 
kind of ready to move on, and, and but obviously different parts of the country are different. Um, what's the conversation for track and field in your offices or in your virtual offices? You guys, are you guys talking about trying to get your meet schedule together, or are you trying to figure out what to do for cross country? You know, we're supposed to host the AAC cross country meet this fall, and so it's a confusing time to try to, you know, know what to do exactly. But what's it like in Missouri? Yeah, it sounds like. Um... Yeah, we're, we're planning for a full year ahead. You know, we're that's the plan right now. We've been, you know, working on dates coming back in the fall and um, scheduling. And um, right now there hasn't been any, nothing has changed as far as, you know, what they've, what they've given us on the season ahead. So we're just going to plan for a full season. We're going to host two meets ourselves. Um, the only thing that I've heard is, you know, that the NCAA wants to keep the finals the championships on the same date which means that if everything goes to plan you would have the NCAA meet and you'd go back you know eight days and have the regional meet and then two two weeks for the conference meet and then everything before that could could change I mean uh, we don't know what's going to happen during the regular season Um, I've heard rumors that you know maybe they're going to just go to a you know qualifying straight from the regional meet uh, maybe more qualifiers per region, and maybe a committee selects a couple of the large teams or something. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so we're just waiting on that. And as far as track goes, uh, we've had we've had a lot of talks about our schedule, and um, really it just revolves around you know what the new normal, so to speak, is going to look like from a budgetary standpoint. And um, you know certainly that changes things a little bit. So we're just trying to create a schedule that will fit into you know the the 2021 budget. You know, which which still allows us to cater to our top end our top end crew and get them to the meets they need to get to, but uh, it probably creates a more regionalized schedule as well. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to you know a little bit different. I mean, you know, we got to look at the positives in this, and uh, maybe it creates some more you know rivalry meets in the in the area. Maybe we can get that that uh, Wichita State Kansas Kansas State Missouri thing going at some point, or you know, like some fun stuff like that, and. Um, that's kind of the way we, I think we're going to have to approach this is, you know, it's going to be different, um, than what we're used to. You know, we're not going to be flying all over the, all over the country with a full team to, to meet, um, maybe for the next couple of years until things come back. Hopefully they'll come back sooner than later. But, um, you know, that's kind of the way we're talking right now is we're just trying to, trying to work on a schedule as if everything's going to happen and, and work within the budget that we'll have for next year. I'm confused in terms of, as we're moving forward. Who are we waiting to hear from about what we can do? Are we waiting for the NCAA to tell us, hey, you know, you guys can have your cross-country schedule or your track and field schedule? Are we waiting for our conference to make that decision, or is it our school's decision? You know, because uh, different different commissioners I've been hearing are saying different things right now. The Big East commissioner is kind of a little bit a little more conservative, and then the Big 12 commissioner is totally on the opposite end, where they're saying they're getting ready to play football and. And, you know, we, we're listening to our conference seems like in the middle, maybe. But who are we waiting to hear from? And, and is there going to be a situation where Missouri and Wichita State's putting together meets and we're trying to figure that out? And then other parts of the country aren't having a season at all? Or who, I just I get a little confused as to yeah, what we're I, trying I mean, to I, figure out. I think everybody's everybody's in the dark on this one, um, you know, certainly at our level anyway. Um, it seems to me like, you know, the NCAA, the the, um, I know that there's, you know, just as our athletic directors on calls every day, I think with the other SEC ADs, you know, I, I think that they're also on calls, 
you know, with, with the other power fives every day, um, or at least, you know, uh, consistently throughout this to, to try to make as even of a rollout as possible. But I don't know if it's possible with, you know, given the different geographical locations and, and the, the, um, you know, the level and, and where this whole, um, curve, curve is at with the, with the virus is different everywhere you go across the country. So, um, you know, I think it, it certainly is going to start with the CDC, I guess, and the NCAA and, and then work its way down to the, to the power fives and, and every other AD, all, all the group of five and all the other ADs across the country. I mean, it, it's going to come back at, at different times. And that's the challenge. I think that's why the NCAA said they want to keep the championship date but else before that could be, could be different you know, depending on where you're at in the, in the country. So, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be an even playing field. I, I have no idea. This, this thing is, is crazy. And man, I, you know, I, I'm just, I think we're all at the point where we're just like, come on, let's go. We got to get going. We got to, we got to get back. But you also have to think about all the other aspects of it. And um, the first, the first piece that we know for sure is that we have to have students on campus in classes on campus before we can start. I mean, that came out last week. President Emmert said that. So, that we know for sure is the first step, and uh, you know that that's what I'm just hoping and praying for that we can be back on campuses, and then we can probably get back to, to some sense of normalcy. Um, but I think it's really going to rely on that. Yeah, and we we look at it in a bubble of athletics, you know, which is probably a unique situation. You know, there's there's athletics and there's sports that are getting ready to start. You know, NASCAR is going to run this week, and Major League Baseball has talked about spring training too, and or basketball or you know NBA professional sports are trying to figure it out so it you know I think a lot of people would think that see that and think the NCAA well that's going to happen soon but the problem we have is it's not I mean the problem is the right word but what we have to deal with is these are students on campuses and not just professional athletes and the sports aren't just separate from everything else it runs hand in hand yeah well I think I think we um hopefully we got some good news this past week with with Idaho and Montana going back to school. So, I, you know, their high schools open back up and gosh, I hope, I hope it goes well. I hope that their, you know, their numbers don't spike or something, um, cause everybody to, to freak out again, but hopefully those, that'll be a positive experience and, and we'll start something. Certainly the professional sports, um, getting back will be a positive, um, you know, certainly a starting point and, and maybe that'll pave the way for, um, decisions to be made, you know, as we, as we work our way down through the spectrum of, of levels of sport. So kind of shifting gears, you know, you, you've been in Missouri since 2014. Is that right? Is when you, yeah. all of 2014, you started, I, I talked to Wendell a few weeks ago, Wendell McRaven, and you guys, you know, came from the same area there, Wheeling, Illinois, I believe out near Chicago. That's right. And uh, so yeah. how did you how did you decide you end up going to Loyola? How did you decide to stay close to home as a, a Loyola Rambler when you were coming out of high school? Well, I think, um, you know, as, as I listened to your podcast with Wendell, which I thought was great. Um, and, you know, like he said on there, we were really lucky to have some great, great coaches and mentors at a young age um, that I think really kind of kind of helped us realize and, and find our way to what we wanted to do with our lives and, and get into coaching ourselves. Um, uh, Mr. V, Mr. Vernon, our junior high coach was amazing. Um, missed that guy. He passed away a couple of years ago and, and he was a great confidant, you know, all the way up into his nineties for both of us. Um, and a, and a great mentor. And then, you know, we had two hall of fame coaches in high school and, um, 
that was that was uh, that really led the way. We had a great experience there. So as I looked at colleges and and where I wanted to go to school, so in my mind I was like, man, I got to go. I got to go to a big school. I got to go, you know, somewhere big and, and be like all the other guys or whatever. And and then and then I had a great senior year, and then I totally tanked at the state meet. <laughs> so I was like. <laughs> I was like 51st at the state meet and literally went in as one of the favorites. You know, like the, the I, I think I've told you this story before, but I'm sitting in the chute in 51st place with my hands on my knees looking for a hole to crawl into. And this guy taps me on the shoulder from behind. He's like, hey, he saw my jersey. He's like, hey, did Burns win? Did Burns win? And I turned around. I was like, I don't think so. And his eyes got real big. You know, he's like, oh, my God, you know. So. Uh, interestingly, like, yeah, it was, it was, you know, a lot of schools just stopped recruiting me and, and, um, but there was a, there was a couple schools that, that were very loyal and one in particular and, and really was, you know, thank, thank goodness I ended up going to Loyola University in Chicago because Coach Thompson was amazing. What a great coach, a great friend, uh, still is, stood up in our wedding, um, hired me, got me into coaching. Um, so that was like the greatest decision. So maybe it was a blessing in disguise that I tanked and, and realized where I really needed to be and um, and had a great experience there and a great education. So uh, that's kind of how I ended up. And it was it was good, you know, because we were 45 minutes from home and could have my own life at Loyola, but also get home and, and see the dog and the family and have a home-cooked meal when I needed to, you know. So a lot of people probably don't realize that you didn't go straight into coaching. You actually were out in sales for a while. And you were, what, what were you selling? Uh, well, <clears throat> I grew up, my dad, my dad was a salesman his whole life, so... Um, that was a natural, you know, transition for me coming out of college. And back then people don't realize this now, but you know, we didn't have insurance, you know, as soon as you graduated, you were off your parents' insurance. So there was a little more of a pressing need to get a full-time job than when you graduated, you know, I graduated in 91. And so anyway, I was, uh, uh, looking for a job. Um, I was working for a guy that was putting on road races and stuff and I was set to go to Switzerland with him. I was so excited. It was, was a, I think it was a biathlon or a duathlon or something in Switzerland. And I realized, like, I was about a month out from this trip, and I realized, like, man, I, I don't know if this is going to cut it. I, I think, you know, I started getting some pressure on getting a job or whatever. So I went to Loyola, had a, had a, um, a job, you know, their thing at the business, at the, at the career placement center, and they had an interview with Russell Stover Candy. I was like, man, I love candy. I'll, I'll go check this out, you know, and just for experience, I'm like, I might as well just go get some experience interviewing. And I show up and end up getting the job and, again, fell into a really great situation. Uh, the guy who hired me is a, a good friend of mine to this day, um, lives in Carroll Stream out, outside of Chicago, just a great guy and a great mentor in, that, in the business world. And um, took the job and, uh, yeah, I sold candy for five years. I, I started in Chicago and then, you know, got promoted a few times, ended up in Memphis, Tennessee for a year and a half and Cleveland, Ohio for a year and, um, got to travel all over the country. By the time I finished, I was, I was in charge of 12 state region, had um, three district managers underneath me, um, 20 sales reps underneath me, and I was like 25. You know, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. But it was fun. It was a good. It was a good ride. And and um, ultimately, at the very end, uh, I kind of got a taste of the corporate world. And I had a, a meeting with Kmart in. Detroit and my boss flew in and, and a bunch of people were getting let go like managers like regional managers district managers were getting let go and I'm like he, he picked me up I'm like come on man and so after the meeting with Kmart he pulled me aside and he's like all right you probably want to know what's going on I said heck yeah I want to know what's going on he's like 
you're doing great. Keep doing doing Tony Kansas City someday, you know, like as a as a vice president of something. And, um, and it just sat with me wrong that, you know, I had to worry about my um, and ultimately it just made me realize that I didn't really want to be in the corporate world. And and that's what I, I literally like a month later, I quit. I moved home and um, started training for the Olympic trials in 96. And, and one thing led to another. And, and, and I ended up in coaching a year later. You know, you said you were training for Olympic trials, you know, start coaching at Loyola and you become the head coach. So you're at Loyola for about a decade, I believe. You know, you were at you're at Loyola, which was your alma mater. I'm assuming maybe since you were there that long, you probably thought maybe this is the job you'll be in forever. And and how did you go from that to ending up at Wichita State? Well, you know, I think, um, well, first of all, I got, ex- I was extremely fortunate to get into coaching the way I did, you know. Uh, coach Thompson hired me to coach the women. Um, his longtime assistant left, and he came and said, hey. Um, and we had been talking about it for a while. We just didn't have anything open at the time. And usually the, the normal route, right, is through, like, being a GA or um, being a volunteer assistant, something like that. And um, and he kind of helped me bypass all those all that stuff and just hired me to coach the women. And, and uh, so it was, a, it was a great opportunity to get into coaching. Um, you know, I took a 50% pay cut because I had gotten back into the corporate world. <laughs> I got hired back by the same guy in a different candy company in Chicago. Um, and I, I worked for him for seven months. And then and then Coach Thompson came and said, hey, I want you to coach the women. I said, dude, I'm there, man. I'll, I'll, I don't care what it takes. So 50% pay cut. I was single at the time, didn't have any bills or anything. So it was an easy decision. Yeah, it was great. You know, to, to be able to coach at your alma mater, I think, is a, a, a great thing. And um, I was really, really uh, excited and, and thankful for the opportunity. Learned kind of kind of uh, learned how to coach, you know, and because they're certainly different, you know, the coaching men and coaching women are a little bit different nuances. And um, I think I learned a lot in those first three, made a lot of mistakes, um, but learned a lot. And then my college coach, Coach Thompson, left for DePaul um, three years in, and I took over both programs. Um, then I was coach, head coach of both for the last seven years. So that was, that was, a, that was awesome. Um, culminated with a, a men's team visit to the NCAA championships in cross country, the first ever at the, at, at the university. So that was a, a source of pride for sure. And then, and really, you know, I, at, at the last year I'd gotten married and, and we had a, we had Connor and um, we just, Elaine and I just started talking about like, Hey, you know, if we're going to stay in Chicago, like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to live? You know, we're going to raise our, raise our kids in the city and, you know, and, and um, we just decided that, you know, we wanted to, wanted to branch out and I wanted people to realize that I wasn't going to, you know, I didn't absolutely need to stay at my alma mater for my whole career. And, and I wanted to kind of broaden my horizons a little bit and give ourselves a chance to go somewhere where we could raise a family. And, and um, Coach Rainbow, Coach Rainbow called and Coach McRaven, you know, again, looking out for me, you know, put a good word in for me. And um, Coach Rainbow called, we came out and met with you and, and, and everybody, Dorf and everybody out there. And man, what a, what a great opportunity that, that was to come out to Wichita. And um, we had two more boys there and man, we just had a, that, that, I look back at that and I think of, you know, some of the best years of my coaching career. Those four years were so much fun and I learned so much from all you guys and, and really, really do um, appreciate the time I had there. Four years, four MVC titles in cross country. I don't know how many track titles we won, but it was definitely, we got the ball rolling and, uh, and that was definitely a fun time. Heidi talks about what she misses from that time is that we used to go to lunch in the summer at a different spot, and she misses that. So we started to try to restart that tradition uh, last year. So we were picking different places and randomly going to lunch spots in Wichita last year, and it was you kind of started that. Nice. Well, you know, 
I, I probably had a, a strong pull toward hog wild as many days as possible. So. Yeah, we we uh, we remember that. Uh, so then you go, <laughs> you move from one Missouri Valley school to another over to Bradley, uh, and and you're there for a few years before you end up at Missouri. You know, you became a head coach again, and so, you know, was a lot of these moves based on family, and um, obviously now it seems like you're in a place that you've really kind of settled into and and is a great spot for you. <clears throat> yeah, I think. Um... Uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, in the four years at Wichita, we, we kind of realized that from a, yeah, family's a lot of it because we had two more kids there <laughs> and financially we probably needed to get somewhere where we could make some more money and, and just provide a little differently for the family. So, so moving up to be the head coach somewhere made sense. And um, I hated leaving Wichita because, like I said, I love my time there. And But an opportunity to get back and run your own program, you know, was kind of, was kind of a neat thing. And I kind of missed that a little bit and, um, you know so going to Bradley and, and kind of taking over that program they, they infused a lot of money into it um, we were able to get men's track started there which was I feel like probably the best accomplishment we had I mean we, we built the foundation for a lot of cross-country titles there after I left but um, to get men's track indoor and outdoor back as a, a sponsored sport is is almost impossible to do these days um, and we were able to do that with our, with the help of Dr. Cross, our AD, who was a tremendous support um, to the program while I was there. So I feel really good about what we did there. Um, had a great assistant coach there. Um, hired, you know, hired some really good people, and um, and and we really laid the foundation and, and were and for them to win some titles. And 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 then the the staff that have taken over after me, it's really fun to see how well they've done. So you know that was really cool. And uh, but the opportunity to go to Mizzou was was a chance to. Um, you know, always wanted a chance to coach at a, at a bigger school with football. And I, I'd never coached at a school of football. Um, and, uh, um, that's crazy. That's crazy. When you think about it. Yeah. 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 Three schools and no, no football. And, and that was fine. I, you know, that was, um, uh, I make the joke that, that my high school, so my high school didn't have football. I went to, I work here at Wichita state that doesn't have football. And then, but I went to school at Kent state, which has the worst football team in America usually. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the greatest and state people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's true. So, but yeah, we, I guess, sharing the lack of football. But now, now you're in the SEC, big time football. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, Coach Halter um, gave me a chance to come over there. Uh, it's just been a, it's been a great move. You know, it, it, you know, it's funny because anytime you make a coaching move, it's it's really hard because you know, like I said, if you're doing your job right, it should be really hard to leave places right so um it was really hard to leave wichita it was really hard to leave bradley um but man you know if i look at it and and i just uh i just wrote coach halter a note um oh shoot i probably blew this he probably won't listen to this until his birthday but his birthday's tomorrow he's going to turn 50 he's probably going to kill me for saying that too but um you know it made me kind of reminisce a little bit about the six years and and the opportunity that he that he gave us to come here and uh man what a what an amazing six years we've had here and um, just, you know, being, being really lucky to have the, the people in place, especially Chris Schweitzer, who was here when I got here, um, and, and having the ability and the, the opportunity to coach her and, and help her grow the way she, she grew is just crazy. Um, we certainly haven't, a, a, we haven't come close to approaching all of our team goals here, but we've, we've certainly done some great things and, and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to continue to do that. But, um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a great move for us, um, professionally. And then, as you know, as a family, it's been nice to see the boys and kind of raise the boys in 
um, in a smaller town here on some land, which was always a goal of ours. And, um, you know, the boys are doing really well in school and, and really excelling in their activities outside of school. And, and it's, been a, it's been a really, really fun and a great move for us. What, what was it like to be part of the crazy wave of Krisha? Uh, Schweitzer yeah. and and all that that went on as a coach did you you know <clears throat> I always feel like you know a lot of times you know they say coaches get too much blame when it goes wrong and too much credit when it goes right you know and it, was she one that was gonna be great no matter what or did the environment at Missouri what what was it for her that really took her from being I, I guess a pretty ordinary runner to being an NCAA record holder and now obviously a professional runner that's really doing big things yeah you know, um, you know. I think the most important thing to realize as a coach is that you know you're you're part of a team no matter what. And and when I look back to you know my time at Wichita State, um, and and we won those four titles. That wasn't that wasn't me winning those four titles. That was our team and our staff. I mean, we have when you think about your staff, I and mean, everybody is a part of the success of an individual because when you've got the right staff together, and you look at your guys' staff who's, who's been together for so long, and that continuity. You know, that's why you guys have been so successful for so many years. Um, and Coach Hunter coming in after me, one coach after me, 10, 12, whatever it's been, 10 years later. Um, that's why you guys are so successful. And, and when I look at Carissa's success, you know, I think of, I think of our, our staff. You know, I think of Coach Smith and Coach Eileen and, and all of our other coaches that are a part of, of your daily interactions. You know, like um, something as simple as like just – somebody saying hey great job one of the other coaches or man I really was really impressed with your kick last weekend you know those, those things go a long way and they're all a part of um, part of that success and, and our strength coaches and our our trainers you know you think about athletic trainers they have a they have a ton of contact with our kids um, and so when you think of someone's success you don't think of one person doing it all it's it's a group effort and a team effort and um, I don't know you know I think I think that um, we were the right place at the right time for Carissa um, certainly she would be successful wherever she was. Maybe she would have won more titles if she was somewhere else. I don't know. Maybe she would have won less. Um, but I know that I think we were the right combination of, of uh, a team and a staff for her to kind of be nurtured and grow and, and excel. And, and now, we, you know, we, I think it was really important for us to help her find where to go after us. Because, um, you know, I always think in terms of like, hey, you know, we're, we're developing people for a lifelong um, you know, uh, career in, in whatever they are heading toward, whether it's a career in business or um, going on to the, you know, be a medical school or whatever. But, and as a runner, it's the same thing. You know, it's an incremental developmental development program that uh, allows them to get better a little bit at a time. And then if they choose to continue on as a professional athlete or go to the next level, maybe it's just marathon running or running road races, they're going to get better. And to put her in the right situation, to help her find the right situation after college was, I thought, another very big responsibility of ours. And, and I thought that our staff did a great job helping her sit through, you know, go through all the agents. She met a bunch of great agents and, um, and then end up at the Bowerman Track Club with, with Coach Schumacher and, and all those guys. And her agent is amazing. So, yeah, you know, I think it's a team effort. And, and uh, I think we were just the right place at the right time for Chris. And, and um, things really, really, you know, obviously went well for her. Well, and you were here when Kellen Taylor was here. And then mm -hmm. obviously Alephine came after her. And then Carissa at Missouri. It seems like if you're a woman distance runner, uh, you should go to Wichita State of Mizzou. It seems like those are the powerhouses of if you want to be one of the great 
post-collegiate runners in the United States, that seems like those are the only two options to me. Well, I'll so. tell you what, those are three pretty darn good post-collegiate runners right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Right yeah. All right. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, hopefully we will see you guys in the quadrangular in January. That's exciting if we can get you guys into that meet and uh, maybe maybe get you guys over for the distance carnival classic of which you were a big part of putting together in the uh, KT Woodman. So it'd be fun to see Missouri uh, a couple times on the schedule this year. Hopefully, like you said, hopefully there's a silver lining and things like that can happen. Hey, when those winds lay down about seven o'clock, you know, in Wichita, whew, it's a beautiful place to run fast at night. Awesome. All right, man. Well, good luck and uh, we'll be in touch. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Wise. Appreciate it.